You're listening to Your Jewish Life, Your Way with Karen Cinnamon, the podcast that explores what it feels like to be Jewish or Jewish in 2021. On the show, we divulge all of the secrets and know-how to being confident in celebrating and living your Jewish life, your way, with easy ways to embrace your mishpacha through the traditions and rituals you've been dying to learn more about without having to compromise life's everyday hustle. So save your fetching because we are talking less Jewish guilt and more Jewish joy here on out. Yalla, forget about the right and wrong ways to be Jewish. It's time to create a Jewish life you love living. Today's episode is so much fun. It is packed with Jewish joy. It is packed with good times, good conversations, and loads and loads of fun with my guest, Arielle Steen, best known for her Instagram accounts, Arielle.loves and Jewish Family Magic. Arielle is a successful Jewish influencer, and we talked all about how she came into this world of social media and becoming a Jewish influencer. And we also talked a lot about Jewish pride and the importance of finding things that spark Jewish joy for you. And what makes a home Jewish and the importance of Jewish inclusivity and so much more. It's a must listen episode. I think you'll absolutely love it. So let's dive right in. Welcome, Ariel. It's great to finally have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. You have no idea how excited I am to be here with you today. Today, I think it's going to be really fun to talk about your expertise, Jewish family, home, decor, living a Jewish life in 2021 with all the sort of feelings that come in with that. But I thought it'd be really fun to start right at the beginning, talk a bit about your childhood. Tell me, how did Judaism play a role in your life growing up? Great question. Well, I grew up in Morristown, New Jersey, which is a suburb about an hour outside of New York. Um, And it was a very vibrant Jewish community. Judaism definitely played a large role in my life growing up. I attended Jewish day school until eighth grade. I attended Jewish summer camps. I was active in my Jewish youth groups, Young Judea and USY, and did Israel programs in the summer. And it really was a defining part of my life growing up and definitely shaped who the adult that I became later on. So it was really immersive. Was it, you know, did you live in a Jewish neighborhood? Did you feel utterly Jewish day by day, week by week, or, or did you ever feel sort of othered or anything like that? Uh, we didn't live in a particularly Jewish neighborhood. I mean, I think New Jersey has a large Jewish community just being right next to New York, but um, like on the block, it was a small dead end block and we were the I think the only Jewish family. So like during, you know, the winter holidays, certainly I, that's when I think we felt more othered just because everybody had Christmas lights and the trees. That being said, I think it was actually really wonderful growing up like that. And also going to a public high school um, where, you know, maybe I was in the minority, but getting to share Jewish culture with others and also learn about their traditions. And, you know, every year my mom used to host a big Hanukkah party and we would invite all of our neighbors. And for most of them, we were probably one of the only Jewish families maybe that they knew or the only Hanukkah experience that they ever had. Um, But it was, it was really a lovely, you know, mix of me having the Jewish community with my like school and my camp and those families who might not live in my neighborhood, but 
are in my day-to-day life. And then also living in a neighborhood with uh, mostly neighbors who weren't Jewish. I love that. And I love what you say about involving your non-Jewish friends and families in the Hanukkah party. I think sometimes we feel that you know, we just want to invite our Jewish friends or maybe, you know, they've got Christmas, we've got Hanukkah, but no, totally. let's involve. And it, and I think sometimes that can even strengthen your identity. Did you find that growing up? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, in high school and in college, especially when I wasn't in an all Jewish environment, it did, I think, strengthen my Jewish identity and made me want to express that and be proud and and share it with other people, Jews and non-Jews alike. Uh, When this episode is released, it will be just after Hanukkah 2021. Tell me about Hanukkah and your, I know you go all in, (laughs) you are all about the sparkle and the, but also the meaning and the fun. Let's talk Hanukkah. Is it your favorite Jewish holiday? (laughs) Um, You know, it's hard. That's a tough question because I, I do love all of the holidays for different reasons. Hanukkah is one of my favorites though, in particular. And I think it's not, you know, I don't want it to seem like it's because it's the Jewish Christmas because it isn't, but it is for me an opportunity to really show Jewish pride and share the beauty of Judaism with the world. And at least in you know, the States and in Europe, like I I think it does get a little more attention than maybe some of the other Jewish holidays, but I don't think that's a bad thing, even though it is on the Jewish calendar, one of the, I guess, quote unquote, more minor holidays compared to maybe Pesach or Rosh Hashanah. That being said, I look at it as a positive thing. We're able to share our love and our pride of being Jewish with the world. And when you say share the beauty of Judaism with the world, can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean by that? Definitely. Um, For me, Hanukkah is a a great opportunity to decorate my home. Um, So I love decorating for all of the different holidays and Hanukkah is no exception. We have a tradition of putting out all different menorahs from different times of, like they all have a sentimental meaning. So one was a gift from, our wedding seven years ago. Uh, we got, you know, one that I've had since I was a child, one that my daughter made in her preschool and we lined them all up and, um, you know, pandemic aside, but before the pandemic, I tried to keep the tradition that my mom started of hosting people for different nights of Hanukkah, um, and sharing that with them, Jews and non-Jews, uh, during COVID, obviously it's been a little different, but it's been cool because I've been sharing more on social media and connecting with people online. Um, and, many of my followers, they're not Jewish. So for them, it's an opportunity to learn a little bit about Hanukkah as a holiday, but also what Judaism about and part of Jewish history. Um, So between sort of the decor, teaching about the traditional foods that we eat, how it connects to the story of Hanukkah, um, you know, and even fun traditions like matching in pajamas with your kids. You know, for, for me, I just try to find the joy in it and have fun with it. Um, and like you said, still connect back to the meaning of the holiday. I love what you say about the joy. I think you know that, you know, we are all about the Jewish joy and finding Jewish joy, of which yes, there is I so much. It. And also I love what you said about Jewish pride and, and igniting Jewish pride. Um, you know, I think there's almost a lot of shame sometimes associated subconsciously with being Jewish because of the anti-Semitism, because of 
how we are conditioned to sometimes hide our Jewishness in, uh, you know, when assimilating. And I think it's about shedding that and uh, unlearning some of that behavior and being proud to say, I have to leave work early on a Friday because it's Shabbat or whatever, rather than, oh, do you mind if I, you know, leave work early and, 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 and changing. And I know through your work on Instagram, on your online family platform, you are helping families, individuals ignite Jewish pride. Let's talk about that, how you do that. And, you know, the Jewish and proud hashtag and, and talk to me a bit about that. I love the Jewish and proud hashtag um, and igniting that pride within other people, because I think you're right, especially with the rise of anti-Semitism that we've seen in the last few years. It's it's scary times. And I live in Brooklyn, New York, which is a very Jewish area, but not so far away. There have been many anti-Semitic incidents very close to where I live. And I'll just share an example, especially since we're talking about Hanukkah. Every year we go to a community menorah lighting uh, that is in Grand Army Plaza. It's this gigantic menorah that you have to take a crane up to actually light. Um, but it's really fun. You know, we'll have latkes and sufganiyot, jelly donuts, and sing after the menorah lighting. And last year I wasn't sure that I wanted to go because I was worried, even though there was security, that maybe we would be putting ourselves at risk because a large gathering of Jewish people is putting a target on your back a little bit. But we went anyway, and actually it was so lovely, but it, it was that moment for me of, this is a real decision um, that could affect my life. And thankfully nothing did happen, but I think a lot of people have different experiences, even hiding their Magen David, their Star of David, and not wanting to you know, necessarily wear it all the time. But I think on the flip side, it's also made people want to share their pride in Judaism even more. And right now I'm actually wearing these little Magen David earrings by Ariel Tidhar. Um, and I, I have a love necklace. The O is like a Magen David from Peace Love Light Shop. And for me, that's actually an expression, a, a way that I love expressing my Jewish pride is through my uh, accessories and, and clothing. Um, but so, we're living in a, a tough time um, in terms of, you know, being totally comfortable sharing who you are Jewishly and depending on where you live. I, I digress a little bit from the original question. I'm trying to remember what the original Well, <laughs> no, was. I have a question about your um, my beautiful Mark and David Star of David jewelry that you're wearing. It's very, it's very subtle, um, but it still is, you know, you would someone standing the other side of the room, they're not going to notice it, but close up you will. Um, tell me, do you ever feel in this day and age, 2021, 2022, that you have to hide it when you're going out? Do you cover it up in any circumstances? Or is it just this is who I am and I'm I'm out of, you know, and, and there's no right or wrong answer. I just yeah. I'm curious because you live in New York City. Do you, you know, how does, how do you feel about that, that jewelry? For me, this is who I am. And luckily I feel very grateful that I haven't been in any situations where I felt like I had to hide that. Um, but my cousin actually just yesterday bought a very beautiful necklace that is a Magen David, but you can kind of unclip it so that when you open the star, it looks like little butterflies. And she said the reason that she wanted to get that necklace in particular was because she has been in situations or the other day she was in 
an Uber where she didn't feel totally comfortable and that she has the choice to either display it as a Star of David or open it up and wear it as a butterfly necklace. And, you know, that's one of many, many stories. My other good friend um, sends her children uh, wear masks and her son had a mask that I think said happy Hanukkah or something on it with dreidels. And she hesitated to let him just go outside. And she also lives in New York City. So I think these these are very real situations that people close to me are going through. And um, like the menorah lighting situation, you know, it's a decision also that I have had to make of if you want to participate in something, what you want to wear. Um, and that's, I think, one of the realities of being Jewish in 2021. So um, it's all, yeah, I want it. This is this conversation is very much connected to you having a visibly Jewish platform. You're the founder of Ariel Loves and Jewish Family Magic, uh, both of which I love. Um, we're going to talk a bit about about those, and I'm I'm curious how 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 you became a Jewish influencer. It's a it's pretty niche. There are hundreds of them around. Um, so I want to talk about a bit about that journey. But first off, just on the back of what we've just been talking about. How does having these platforms encourage you to be openly and unapologetically Jewish? Or do you feel this is who you are and you would be like this with or without the platforms? I think it would be like this with or without the platforms, but having a public online platform, you do have to be intentional about what you're posting. And even in the real and raw moments, it's still curated because you decide what it is that you want to share. And I made the decision a while ago that I was not going to hide this part of me. I think when I first started sharing more on Instagram, when my older daughter was born five years ago, I was a little nervous about being too niche. Like, you know, I, I, should I really display my Judaism so proudly? You know, I'm, that's a big part of my life, but I don't know that I want that to define my online presence. And the truth is I couldn't do it any other way because this is just authentically who I am. And once I leaned into that and kind of said goodbye to the concerns and the fears that I had about sharing, it actually opened up my world so much more because I was able to really connect with people all over the country and all over the world um, who were either experiencing similar things or who didn't see themselves reflected or represented on social media so widely. And also a lot of that has changed in the last five years, but that was also a huge eye opener for me and realizing, you know, I, when I was looking for Jewish accounts to follow, uh, I was a new mom and trying to find some parenting and lifestyle inspiration. And at that time, five years ago, there really weren't many Jewish Instagram accounts sharing mainstream quote unquote Jewish living. And I'm so glad that the community has grown so much and that I've been able to connect with so many people. But um, to answer your question, I it, it sort of couldn't go any other way just because that's who I am. And I share a lot of my daily life and my family life on the Ariel Loves page. And then Jewish Family Magic was just launched this past year during the pandemic because of the need for community when we couldn't gather in person. And, um, and it has, you know, been growing 
into a really wonderful place of sharing inspiration and connecting with other parents um, and people who don't have kids yet, but are, are interested. And like I said before, Jews and non-Jews alike, I look at it as an opportunity to share the beauty of Judaism with the world and find ways to share Jewish joy. And tell me about some of these connections you said, you know, through, through your work, through, through your platforms that, that you said you've created all over the world and some, some stories of connection or broadening your horizons. Tell me about that. Totally. I think with, uh, on the Ariel loves page, which is my personal page and you'll see my kids and my home on that page. Uh, certainly I, I get direct messages and comments all the time from other Jewish women, uh, who either are looking for ways to live Jewishly and looking for inspiration. And that's something that always, um, motivates me. Um, but also in times like we were talking about with anti-Semitic incidents and, uh, also when there have been in different moments in Israel, um, and we see a lot of anti-Semitism on social media, I think it's powerful to share in solidarity with each other because it can feel very, very isolating. Um, so some of the connections have actually been with other people in happy times, but also in some tough times. And then on the Jewish Family Magic page, uh, really, I, I mean, the majority of the community are other parents of young children, um, but not exclusively. And really it started almost a year ago. So Hanukkah 2020, um, which is cool. We're coming up on our one year anniversary, but I began just sharing some of the things more publicly that we were doing at home in the absence of holiday celebrations at the synagogue or my mom's annual Hanukkah party, which didn't happen or, you know, other times that we would gather in person. I, wasn't doing that stuff. So what can we do to still make the holidays special and um, share it publicly and that the income social media. And I think it's very, very powerful. Um, so during Hanukkah and then into the winter and spring of last year and Pesach and most recently the high holidays with Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot and Simchat Torah, it's been really cool exchanging ideas, seeing photos and videos of parents from all different states and countries. We've got people in Germany, in the UK, in Israel, in South Africa. Um, and it just shows like, like we are one people, which is so cool, no matter where you live, or if you're Mizrahi or Ashkenazi or Sephardic, like we, we really are all connected. And um, no matter how you express that, whether it's through food or home decor or children's crafts or whatever it may be, we have this bond and this connection. And it's such an easy gateway to Judaism as well, perhaps if someone's listening who's lapsed a bit or someone's new to Judaism or, you know, life gets in the way sometimes and a holiday's passed and you've realized, oh, I didn't even do anything for it. I'm so busy doing ABC, you know, just doing one small thing. I know for, I remember last year you did an amazing um, challah for Halloween where you bought the challah and you did a spider's web and it came out so well. And just little things like that. It's not even a Jewish holiday, but it's, it's it's making it's making it accessible fun all your, all the things that you do it's such an easy gateway and we'll link obviously to to all your pages in the show notes are you 
I know you're a, a fast and furious content creator. Are you finding that you're blogging more or on Instagram or how things changed over the years since you started? Things have totally changed over the last few years. I think when I began the blog in 2017, I was sharing one to two blog posts on my website, ariellloves.com per week and was pretty consistent uh, with that schedule. But as time has gone on, I've definitely focused more on the content creation for Instagram itself. And if I had all of the hours in the day, I would love to turn a lot of those posts into blog posts so that they could live in a permanent place online that wasn't just Instagram. And actually recently, um, it'll be a little while ago by the time this episode comes out, but there was like this Instagram blackout. And it was a reminder, I think, to everybody that we don't own <laughs> any of these social media platforms. Um, so I do, I have a goal that I want to start blogging more regularly like I used to. But for now, it's been really cool just posting on Instagram, having conversations in the comments on posts, in direct messages with people, um, watching IG lives. And like, there's such an amazing Jewish community now on Instagram. So for me, that's where I've been focusing more. Um, but I want to, you know, shift a little bit and do a little more on the blog and also in my newsletters, um, Jewish Family Magic also, which has its own site, jewishfamilymagic.com, sharing more with the email list um, because just you, you just don't know. Instagram is here today and it's ever evolving and ever shifting. And um, talk to me about, me about being a Jewish influencer because yes, the, the Jewish Instagram world has grown over the past few years um, and it is a beautiful community. I've also made some very, very strong and meaningful connections. Our, this today is a result of meeting on Instagram and connecting over, over what each other's posting. We, we, we share you know, the values of inclusivity and Jewish joy and so much other stuff. But um, what advice do you have to anyone who's maybe listening who'd maybe like to post more about you know, how they've decorated their table for Shabbat or what they're doing for Hanukkah or whatever, but just fears, you know, posting that kind of stuff out there. What would you, what would you say to them? I would say, start with the thing that speaks to you most and brings you the most joy and not to think about the perception others will have, or even the metrics of how this post will perform, but what truly makes you happy. And if you made a recipe that you are proud of and brought you joy while you were doing it, or you decorated your fireplace and that just makes you smile. Like I would, I would start with that. And if you don't feel comfortable yet posting it to your feed, post it to a story and it'll live there for 24 hours. And it's like a little gateway into the world of online sharing. But over time, I think if, if it resonates with you and brings you joy, it will translate, I think, to other people. And that's something I even remind myself. Um, and it's, it's tough sometimes when, as a content creator, I'm worried about metrics and engagement and how many likes and how many followers. But the truth is, at the end of the day, if it's not bringing you joy, it's not worth it. And I think for many of us, like you mentioned with the Halloween challah from last year, which I loved you know, there are so many different areas that you can explore. And it's like, what speaks to you? If you love music 
explore Jewish music. If you love food, and it doesn't mean that it's got to be cooking, you could buy a store-bought challah. That's great. And um, there, what is it that you love and how can you explore that a little bit further and find the connection with Judaism? Because I, I really think you can connect Judaism to anything. And um, yeah, and that kind of brings us full circle to the Jewish and Proud hashtag. You know, it's just about, it's different for everybody. Everyone feels that wonderful Jewish joy with something different and you know what what sparks Jewish joy for you what brings you joy and and as Ariel says authenticity is is what goes online and people people love it so look we're going to take a quick break I'm going to tell you about something that I love we'll be right back I wanted to take a moment to tell you about today's sponsor. It is my community membership club for Jewish and Jewish women smashing life. This is my baby. This is my third child. This is what I spent all my time doing. I'm obsessed with this community. It's an online community, but we do have in-person meetups all over the world. And it is a place to be yourself and surround yourself with like-minded Jewish women, a place to build the life you want on your terms, empower by the community. It's a place to share Jewish culture and joy and connect with like-minded Jewish women from all over the world. It's where you want to be to advance in your life and career and learn Jewish rituals that will fill your life with purpose. What makes this community special is we welcome Jewish and Jewish women from all over the world and all different types of connections to Judaism. So we don't like labels. What I do want to say is we welcome you if maybe your father's Jewish and you and your mother's not Jewish and you've maybe been made to feel lesser than any other Jews, I'm here to tell you, you are Jewish enough. You are so welcome in our space. If you're maybe converting or have converted or on the journey to conversion and exploring that. And of course, if you're traditional or a whole sort of blend of all the things I'm talking about, we welcome you inside Smashing Life and you'll feel safe, supported. It's a non-judgmental environment. And most of all, we have so much fun in there. Um, I'll tell you what you can expect as a Smashing Life member, but I think I just want to tell you a little line from Sam, one of our members, what she said about it that just sort of encompasses what Smashing Life is. Sam is from New York City. She's just married. I should add, we have all kinds of members from all over the world, all ages, but I'd say the majority age group are 25 to 40, really. So it's a sort of young, fun vibe. We want to have a good time. We also want to share things that you know, are a little vulnerable, but we also want to celebrate our wins. And what Sam says is, she says, I was struggling to find a space that felt curated for me and my needs as a Jewish adult and wanting to create a space for myself and my future family that felt true to my Jewish identity. Smashing Life gave me that power and inspiration. And it really does. It's really a special, special place that I'd love you to try for yourself and be part of our very special Jewish community. So what do you get as a Smashing Life member? Well, you'll unlock a community of ready-made, like-minded Jewish friends, both local and international. We are experts at facilitating connections. So you'll never feel like the new girl in the room and not knowing anyone. But we also do all kinds of things to facilitate connection and friendship and lots of lots of fun things. We have social events both online and in real life. We have monthly expert masterclasses chosen by 
you. You vote for the masterclasses that you want. We bring in the experts. We've got an incredible library of resources and guides for Jewish life. We've got members only discounts and gifts. We do virtual Shabbats. We've got sub communities for things like trying to conceive and pregnancy and parenting. We have an entrepreneur's community, a sub community. We have a Jewish crafts club. We do book club. There's an amazing member recipe book that I love and everyone contributes to. We have great Jewish bake-offs. You can see I can go on and on and on. And one more thing that I just want to mention is one of our members also set up what she could call the conversion club for members in the process of converting or have converted. And they meet once a month um, on Zoom and they also have a little DM messenger group. So it's very much the members creating what the community needs and uh, me and the Smashing Life team facilitating and making sure that it is the community that you want it to be. If you're interested in being part of our community, head to smashinglife.club and add your name and email to the waitlist and you'll be notified just as soon as the space becomes available. So just go to smashinglife.club and add your name and email address and you'll be notified as soon as doors open and a space becomes available. I want to remind you of a wonderful African proverb that I love that is so meaningful to me with the power of this community and it's if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together and that's what you'll find inside smashing life the ultimate togetherness the ultimate jewish community so i'm back with ariel we're having so much fun here i want to dive into well, obviously you're known for your lifestyle and home decor content. You inspire so many with that. But tell me, what makes a home Jewish? Oh, the truth is it's tough to answer because I think that's different for everyone. And home, this is going to sound so cheesy, but I think home is different for everyone. And it's about the people who are in it. And I, so I guess the first answer I would say is, the the people like I think you can have a beautiful collection of Judaica or a bat mitzvah candlestick gift that you got many years ago or you don't have to like I I think there are many ways in the home to create the Jewish feeling even if you don't have it yet so um, Jewish art even like going on Etsy and downloading a printable. Like you don't have to have a lot of money either to do this, um, but something that speaks to you and adding that Jewish element to your home. If you don't have any mezuzahs on your doors, that's okay. But it could be cool in your adult life to search a little bit and find one that is a reflection of who you are. Um, maybe your grandma's old mezuzah isn't really, you know, a, a good representation of how you feel Jewish. So finding that for yourself, I think carving out moments of Jewish joy and it's okay if you don't do a formal Shabbat every week, but if you decide to start buying a challah or lighting candles, like having that little moment each week, I think is really powerful. And I think we've seen, especially in the last 18 months, the impact that doing these rituals really can have. So my family is not Shomer Shabbat. We travel, we use technology, but we do try to carve out some time every single Friday night to do those rituals. And part of it's for my kids, but a lot of it is for me. And I think whether it's 
adding things to your home that are a reflection of how you want to express your Judaism or doing Jewish things, whatever that means for you is what makes a Jewish home. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, what you said about the people, it's about literally creating that warm, inviting atmosphere, isn't it? For family and friends, whether it's candles or just your own aura, because I think as right what you said it's the it's the it's the family and the friends that's the the most effective way to create a Jewish home I think also um Jewish values you know tzedakah 100% um, uh, giving tikkun olam Um, let's talk a bit about that um let's talk about Jewish values I know that 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 comes up a lot with what with what you do and is it Tell me, totally. tell me how that is. Tell, talk to me about your Jewish values. I'm glad you brought up Jewish values, actually, because that is a big part of a Jewish home. And I think social justice issues have come to the forefront so much in the last few years in the mainstream. But this has been a constant in Jewish history for, I would argue, thousands of years that we care about the world. And tikkun olam is a tenant that is a very real thing, repairing the world. And that might look different to different people, but that's also a beautiful Jewish expression. So if there is a cause that you care a lot about, that may not be a quote unquote Jewish cause, but that in and of itself, I think is very Jewish thing to care about bettering the world that we live in. And something, you know, my kids and I have this little Tzedakah box. We have a few of them, but one that we got from PJ library many years ago, like when my older daughter was a baby and they love collecting Tzedakah. And more recently, now that they're a little bit older, we talk about causes that we want to support together. And that is important to them. And living in New York city, the reality is every day we are, we encounter whether it's homelessness or um, even just trash, like whatever it is, like we see it firsthand. We're not shielded by it. And it's a learning opportunity. And I look at it as a teachable moment to have a conversation with my kids and also reflect to myself that this is something that's important for us, not just as people, but also as Jews. Yeah, absolutely. And one other thing I want to say about a Jewish home is you don't have to have a family to have a Jewish home. It's, um, there's a quote, I, I, uh, yes. you know, Rabbi Josh Lesser, he said, it's a Jewish heart that makes a Jewish home. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, I love that. I, I had not heard that quote before, but I so love that. And I agree. You don't need to have a family there with you. You know, you don't have to have your own kids and wait until you're a mom in order to start doing some of these things. I love that quote. Well, I'm going to have to write it down. A Jewish heart makes a Jewish heart. I'm going to do that. I'm going to post so, so it on, on my Instagram. Please do. Um, today, I will share it. And I will tag you and talk about our episode. Because yes. obviously we do record these episodes in advance of them going out. So um, while you're listening to this, this will probably be a bit of an older Instagram post, but I will I will link to it in the show notes. Yes. And I also want to link to PJ Library in the show notes because I, I discovered them. I'm a mom of two girls, age six and seven, and I discovered them way too late, only about a year ago, because a friend happened to, to tell, tell me about it. Can you believe? And I I wish everyone with kids knew about PJ Library. Can you tell everyone a bit about PJ Library? They're so fantastic. I am so happy to. I love PJ Library. And like you, Karen, I've met so many people who say, I wish that I knew about it sooner because it's a wonderful resource for 
families with children, I think even up to teenage years. I mean, it's really a full spectrum, but they will send a free book to your child every single month. And you can actually subscribe for if you have more than one child, um, you can subscribe for all of them. So it's age appropriate books that are usually themed around the Jewish calendar. So either the holiday that's coming up or something else that's taking place and it's completely free. It's completely free. And what I love as a Jewish educator, my background is in Jewish education and I used to teach in a Jewish day school and it's so accessible. And in addition to the books, tons of online resources. They also have a podcast, which is great for kids with uh, read-alongs. They've got holiday guides available on their website. And from time to time, they'll send like I mentioned before, the Tzedakah box, they, they do send things that are not only books throughout the year. We have a PJ library apron that we love baking with, especially. Us too, for, us too. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the Tzedakah box. And we have also this reusable Jewish calendar. And I think if you're able to link it in the show notes, everybody should check it out absolutely. because it's a wonderful shout out. Yeah. resource. Yeah, absolutely. We will. So I'm going to do a few, a few, not quick five questions. You can have long answers if you want to but um I just want to ask you a few kind of random bits and pieces um what does your Jewish life your way mean to you I like this question a lot because you talk so much about it in your community and I every message that you share resonates so powerfully with me to me your Jewish life your way means no matter how you do Jewish you are Jewish enough and you know, some of the things that have stuck out with me, we talked about challah, like if you bake a challah, wonderful. If you buy your challah, wonderful. If you have a leftover English muffin and that's what you're using for the mozi, wonderful, that's enough. And, you know, if, whether you converted, if you're from an interfaith family, if you, you know, have a recipe of your grandmother's matzo ball soup, or you've never, you know, made your own, it doesn't matter. I think no matter what, you choose to do to express yourself Jewishly that that is Jewish enough and that's your Jewish life your way and I love how you share this message of inclusivity and you know getting rid of the gatekeeping because Judaism it, it it's more than just a religion it's a people and I think there's no right or wrong way to do Jewish and however you do Jewish is enough and it's the right way for you and you should be allowed to do jewish be jewish without being concerned about being judged you know we talk yes. about in uh, my community and on instagram and in all my platforms that and the podcast as well this is a no judgment zone you know um i think one thing that i felt growing up um teen teenager even you know starting to work out my own adult identity as a Jew was this judgment all the time um, of, of how, you know, of, of, of how I chose to live my Jewish life. Was it right? Was it wrong? Was I too Jewish? Was I not Jewish enough? Was I a bad Jew? Good Jew? And so it started off when, when I started um, smashing the glass, my Jewish wedding platform where, and in fact, I did an episode, I did a whole episode about, you know, no judgment because, 
Yes. I um, was going to say, I listened to the episode about no shoulds. Yes. Get no rid of shoulds. the shoulds and with Liz. Yeah. yeah so I it's totally. Just, it's just, you know, and, and, and just today we did, a oh, this week we did a post on Instagram about, um, yeah, the, the, the need to end gatekeeping and, uh, you know, be more inclusive within our own community. And there was a big judgy pants um, comment on, on there <laughs> about what I'm saying and what I'm doing, but that I talk about Halloween, which isn't Halloween is something. And I didn't even, yeah. And I, and I just commented and I, you know, talk to about, let's not judge, um, feel free to unfollow. This is just a no judgment zone. And, and, and it's really a change that I think we're all, our generation is trying to, to, to push through. Um, and talk to me about, about your typical Shabbat. Do you have a typical Shabbat, a typical Friday night? Um, what do you do in your household? Yeah, so both of my children actually attend Jewish school. So Shabbat is very much, they know on Friday morning that they're three and five or almost three and five. And they're very interested in um, choosing out their outfits and being very independent. I can do it by myself. I don't need my your help, mama. But on Friday, they get to choose their Shabbat outfit. And it's a very exciting thing. So it, it already starts the tone. And we have a Shabbat playlist that we love to listen to on Spotify. And it, we try to get into the Shabbat spirit even before Friday night. So that's that's something really fun. And whether or not your kids go to a Jewish school, you can totally listen to Shabbat music and get excited for um, what's coming. And, and on Friday nights, yeah, we light candles pretty much every week. Um, and same with the challah and the kiddush over the wine. And most weeks we I buy my challah. I don't have time every week to bake it, but on special occasions, I do have fun baking challahs and making them, maybe You're writing them into a special shape. You're very talented. Wow. You do some <laughs> incredible shapes. Do they take a long time? Uh, it depends. So like last year when I did the shape of the Hanukkah, that took a little while. I had to watch a few videos and different, figure out different techniques. Um, but even the holidays that aren't quote unquote Jewish holidays, like on Thanksgiving in the, in the States, I made a challah for that Shabbat in the shape of a Turkey and yes, on Valentine's that. day, I did a challah in the shape of a heart. So I think there, you know, it, for me, that's your Jewish life, your way. Like we are kind of fusing these, these different holidays and um, making them work for us for Shabbat. So that's what our typical Friday night looks like and having a family dinner together. And prior to the pandemic, we were going to a Tat Shabbat service that was musical and very special. It, it went virtual and still has not got back in person yet. Um, so yeah, on Shabbat, like on Saturday, it really every week looks a little different, but even just walking through the park um, as a family, building in some family time. And that's a way that we kind of mark Shabbat as a different day from the rest of the week. And if you could have Friday night dinner with any three Jewish people, dead or alive, who would they be and why? Oh, Karen. <laughs> oh, this is so hard because there's so many different people. Uh, number one is a no-brainer for me, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We just marked her yard site of the anniversary of her death a few weeks ago, and she has had such an impact on the United States for sure. She's one of the former U United States Supreme Court justices, but um, also just on feminism and women's rights. And 
uh, her legacy really has impacted so, so many people, um, not just Jewish people. So I would love to have a Friday night dinner with her. Um, one is more closer to my life, which would be my maternal great-grandmother, Anna, who I was named after, actually. And the reason I would love to sit down with her is because the time period that she lived in, um, she moved from Russia. They had to escape due to religious persecution and pogroms. She was the mother of seven children. And my grandpa was the youngest. So he had six older siblings and they came to New York via Argentina. So they actually traveled from Russia to Argentina, lived there for a few years. It wasn't just like in transit, but um, we still have some distant family who are there. And I studied abroad there in college actually and got to meet them and got involved in the Jewish community there, which was very cool. And then came to New York and she spoke Russian and Yiddish, a little bit of Spanish, a little bit of English. and. What a just remarkable life um, to, to have been the matriarch for her family and to be the bedrock. Like I think about that now, if that was me and wow, like I am totally blown away. So I would love to dine with her. So for the last one, I'm going to stick with this theme of Jewish women and go with Henrietta Zolt, who is a Jewish female role model to me for many reasons, but she was the founder of Hadassah, which is this women's Zionist organization that is over a hundred years old at this point. And I grew up in Young Judea, which is a Zionist youth movement. And I did their year round programs. I was on their national board and later worked at the camps for many years and served on the board of the camp. And it was just such an impactful part of my life. And now as an adult, uh, I'm involved in Hadassah and the legacy that she has left has also impacted so many people in the States, here in Israel and all over the world. All right. And have you been to Israel yourself? I have, and I miss it so, so much. This is probably the longest stretch of time that I haven't been back. But uh, for many years, I was going almost every year, once a year, sometimes twice. But starting in high school, doing Young Judea summer program in Israel, then I did a gap year with Young Judea. I did year course and lived there uh, between high school and college. And then in college, pretty much any, every summer or any break from school that I could find a way to get to Israel, I was staffing birthright trips, uh, going on Jewish learning trips, doing anything I could to get back. And my first job out of graduate school, I got my master's in Jewish education at JTS. And the first job out of school was working at Northeastern University Hillel in Boston. Massachusetts. And I, it was the perfect job for me. It was their director of Israel programs. I got to go to Israel a few times a year and lead hundreds of students, literally hundreds over the years um, to help them connect to their Judaism through Israel. And it was, I mean, that was a different chapter of life, but such a wonderful opportunity. And I have a lot of friends who still live there. And actually my husband's family is originally from Baku, Azerbaijan, but half of them came to the States and the other half moved to Israel. So his maternal grandparents, his aunts, uncles, and first cousins all live there. And hopefully one day soon we can go back and visit them safely. Wow. I never knew you had such a deep 
really close connection to Israel. Oh, Goodness, I thought maybe it. you'd been there a little bit on holiday. I this is a this is I've been a there, huge part of you. I counted over twenty times. Yeah, yeah, it's wow. a huge part. Um, and I my kids haven't been there yet, so my dream is really to do a family trip and let them come with me and see it for the first time through their eyes. Absolutely, Ariel. It's been so much fun chatting to you. Tell me, where can everyone find you online? Where's the best place to, to find you? Uh, the best place to find me online would be on Instagram. And my handle is at Ariel, A-R-I-E-L dot loves, L-O-V-E-S. And that is where I share all things Jewish motherhood and home decor, holidays. And the other place you can find me is on Instagram at Jewish Family Magic. That's one word where I share fun Jewish inspiration for parents and non-parents, um, but to bring Jewish joy into your home. Oh, yeah. I encourage you to check out Ariel's account. It's full of great ideas, really easy, really easy things to bring Jewish joy into your life, whatever stage of life you're at. Um, it's been so much fun today, Ariel. I hope you'll come back on the show again. And I would love to. <laughs> wishing you an incredible year ahead for 2022 and uh, lots of love. Thank you so much, Karen, to you too. Thanks for having me. Bye. If this episode inspired you in some way, I'd love you to take a screenshot of you listening on your device and post it to your Instagram stories and tag me at Your Jewish Life. I'd love to connect with you on Instagram and be your Instagram friend. That would be fun. And I'd also love you to subscribe and share the episode with anyone you know who might benefit from it. I'd love you to leave a review as well. All these ways make sure that more people get to listen to the podcast and get inspired to live their Jewish life their way and we can spread the Jewish joy. So that would be a lovely mitzvah if you wanted to leave a review or share this episode with a friend or subscribe. One more thing I wanted to tell you about just before I go today is I've got a really great handy checklist for you if you are trying to build a Jewish home or you've got a home and you want to make it more Jewish or you just want to feel more Jewish at home and it is a free checklist for everything you need in a modern Jewish home literally covering everything you need to set up your modern Jewish home if you've got a lot of these things it's just a great reminder there's links to everything you need as well so it's, it's really handy in that way too and there's checklists for Rosh Hashanah, Shabbat, Hanukkah, Passover and lots of minor Jewish holidays as well and all sorts of fun ideas for the items too so just head to yourjewishlife.co slash jewishhome if you want to grab that checklist. That's yourjewishlife.co, that's .co slash jewishhome, all one word. And the checklist is for you, whether you're Jewish, Jewish, or becoming Jewish. Let me know what you think. Drop me a line on Instagram and have a great day.